celebration. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day. You are about to hear a great message from one of my dear friends, Joe Champion, who pastors a fantastic church in Austin, Texas. But ladies, I specifically want to speak to you for just a couple of minutes right now because in just a few weeks, our annual women's conference is coming up, Shine. And every year, Shine is just an amazing event for the women of Celebration and also the women in our area. Women actually come from all over the Southeast to this conference, and this year is gonna be really, really special. So I wanna remind all of our ladies that it's just in three weeks, so you need to register now to make sure that you can get a good seat. We're so, so excited about this year's conference, and I also wanna remind you that uh, we have night passes available. So Shine is Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. It also has day sessions Thursday and Friday. Even if you can't make the day sessions because you work, you want to go ahead and get those night passes for the night sessions. It's going to be an amazing, an amazing conference this year for our women, and you don't want to miss it. But church, right now, you are going to laugh, and you are in for a great message. I want you to put your hands together and give a celebration, church. Welcome for our friend, Pastor Joe Champion. Come on, church. Give it up for Joe. Hey, good morning. Hey, have a seat. I don't like being introduced as someone who's going to make you laugh. <laughs> Sometimes my wife says, do you have anything funny? How many know, have you ever been put on the spot and said, be funny? Just like, that's what happens. Nothing funny happens. So Stovall, thank you for putting extra pressure on me to make them laugh. Well, did you hear about the Cajun lady that dropped her ice? She dropped her ice in the kitchen and the ice bucket and all the ice went everywhere. And Boudreaux walked in and saw his wife, Clotilde, just crying. What is it, baby? She said, I dropped my ice on the floor and I picked it up and I washed it off in hot water and now it's gone. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? See, I want to welcome you. I'm from, I'm from Celebration Church in Austin, Texas. You did not know, but you are your West. I'm your West Campus representative. You didn't know, but Austin is a campus of yours. I was here with your pastor the week that celebration started back in the 90s. And uh, I just happened to be here as Stovall and I've known each other for over 25 years. I've known Carrie for over 25 years. I've known the family for many years. I'm from Louisiana myself. And I happened to be here the week that celebration was starting in the school. And Stovall said, I want you to come and just see what I see. And I walked into that school. And he says, don't you see it? I said, what? Don't you see all the people? Don't you see us having a church that is going to reach this Florida region and all over the world? Don't you see campuses with Celebration Church on it? Don't you just see us doing amazing things? And I just said, yes, Noval. I see it in Jesus' name. I see it. Let me just tell you what he saw. He saw. He saw what he sees today because he saw you. And you have been honored, and I believe you've been chosen by God to be planted in such an amazing church that your pastors, when they moved to this city and they came here, they came here seeing you. Long before you saw them, they saw you because God showed them something amazing. And how many are thankful to be a part of Celebration Church, one of the campuses you're watching online today? It's an honor to see you guys. 
And it's just been an amazing, amazing journey, an amazing story, and it's just been fun to watch. It was going so well that when we planted our church in 2000, I said, Stovall, sell me the franchise rights. And for $25 million, he sold me the right to use Celebration Church in Austin, Texas. No joke. Uh, he, he did bless me, allowed us to call ourselves Celebration Church. And what was interesting is when we planted 14 years ago, he said, you know, I just don't think that'll be an issue as, as the name Celebration. We, we just didn't envision we would have campuses and that we would have a reach outside of Florida or outside of Texas. And uh, so it's just an amazing journey to see what God is doing. And today God wants to do something great in your life. So I want to welcome all the campuses again and anyone that is watching on our online campus. Let's all join in prayer right now. Father, we just thank Thank you. Speak to us. Speak to us clearly. Speak to us accurately. And Lord, I just pray even now, God, we give you the right to do what you want to do in us. Lord, we can do nothing apart from you. And Jesus, we accept your word today. May it bring us into a deeper relationship with you. And everybody said, amen and amen. Well, I was flying from Charlotte's Charlotte uh, this past Friday, and I was on the flight with mostly Pittsburgh Steeler fans, and they were obnoxious. They were obnoxious. They were drunk, like she is. And so the truth is, well, actually, no. And I know Pastor James; he's a he's a big Steeler fan. They they were either drunk on that plane or they had Ebola, and so. Um, they're going to all get sick during the game, and uh, the Jaguars are going to win. But I was on that flight, and they were, they were, they were a little bit crazy. And uh, so I'm believing God, as I was a Steeler fan until I flew with the Steelers, and now I'm for the Jaguars. And everybody said, amen. Men, let me just tell you, do not miss tomorrow night. Here's what the Lord told me to tell you, that if you come, your favorite NFL football team will win. If you come... And then he said, they'll go to the Super Bowl if you come with a friend. How many believe what I just said is from God? That's from God. And so you don't want to miss tomorrow. I'm going to be talking about what kind of man are you? What kind of man are you? Wives, turn to your husband right now and say, you're the kind of man that's going to man night tomorrow night. Right now, you tell him you're going. And how many know it's good to listen to your wife? And uh, I cannot wait for... Uh, tomorrow night, it's going to be an awesome night. And I know many of you men would say, I don't want to miss a Monday night football game. And I, I'm just here to tell you, this is a God first church. This is what the spirit of celebration Jacksonville is all about, putting God first and letting God take care of everything else. And I promise you, and the reason why Monday is such a great opportunity is that, that number one, you, you won't forget. If we, if we were waiting until Friday, men, you leak, you forget everything by, by Tuesday, probably. And so we like Monday nights for the reason that you're fresh. You remember it. It's tomorrow night. You don't, you don't have to work that hard to remember. And, and number two, you'll be at work tomorrow and it's an opportunity for you to bring somebody. And so we encourage you to be with us tomorrow night. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. Again, I want to say thank you to Pastor Stovall and Carrie for the opportunity to speak with you again. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of John, John chapter 15, and then we're going to go to the book of Acts chapter 14. And I want to talk about what is ultimately on the heart of God today. God did come down for this reason. He came down not just to save you, but to establish a relationship with you. 
Many people are satisfied with living only in the measure of salvation. Many are only interested in having what we would call fire insurance. And that is they bought the policy that keeps them out of the fire that burns forever and ever. In other words, Jesus, thank you that through your name and by confessing your name as Savior and Lord, I I won't go to hell. I'm going to go to heaven. Thank you, God. Amen. Check the box. But that's not what God had all for us. God is not just interested in salvation. He is interested in relationship. Two-thirds of the New Testament was written not to talk to those who are uh, unsaved or those that are lost or those that don't have relationship, but two-thirds of the New Testament was written to take those that were saved and bring them into relationship. God has a lot more to say about the growth of your salvation than just salvation alone. But I want to bring it a little bit deeper. And I want to bring it to this place that I believe God ultimately doesn't just want relationship with you. He doesn't want you to just be saved. And he doesn't want you to just have a relationship with him. But here's what God wants ultimately for every single one of us. And it is the reason why he created you. And the reason why he made you and the reason why you're going through what you're going through. It is all for this opportunity that he would bring you from salvation. He'd bring you from just that understanding that you're going to heaven into a relationship with him. But then ultimately what God wants for every one of us is friendship. Come on, say the word friendship. God is interested in being your friend. And he wants friendship. And there is no greater title of any relationship than to say they are my friend. My wife, Lori, we've been married for almost 25 years this coming July. She is my wife. She's been my wife for 25 years. But what makes she so much more than my wife and what makes our marriage so much finer than marriage is that she's my best friend. I know some people whose wives, I know some men whose wives are their wives, but they're not their friend. How many know it's an altogether relationship difference between she being a wife or he being a husband when they describe it like this, but my husband is my friend. My husband is my best friend. Don't settle for her being your wife. Don't settle for that. Your prayer should be, Lord, may we be friends who are married. And how many know there's not a better relationship than when you're married to your friend? And it's nothing better than when someone describes that, that that's my son or that's my daughter. But how much altogether better is it when you can say my son or my daughter is my friend? And nobody is friends with their kids here at Celebration Church. How about at one of the satellites? (laughs) You see, that's what ultimately God wants. It doesn't start off as friendships oftentimes in parenting, of course. It starts off as as slaves. I was born to a dad who said, you're my slave. You were born for two reasons, slave. I wasn't even called Joe for the first 12 years of my life. 
My dad used to tell me, you were born for two reasons. You're my bartender and you're my groundskeeper. That's what he told me. How many feel valued? How many feel loved by a father? And so Jesus, I, I want you to see with me in the book of, book of John, Jesus said this, this is my commandment, that you love one another. This is, these are some of the last words of Jesus. This was his prayer. I'm not giving you a suggestion. I'm, I'm giving you a commandment that, that you love one another. Now, I want you to notice about love. Love can be commanded. Love can be commanded. Why? Because love is not a feeling. Love is not an emotion. Love is a choice. Jesus would never command you to love somebody if he didn't think you could keep the command. It's a decision to love. It's a choice to love. Somebody says, will you love your wife 25 years from now? Yes. Why? Not based on feelings, not based on emotions, but based on commandment from Jesus. Are you with me this morning? You can love. You can love anyone and everyone that's in your life. Jesus would have never told you that if he didn't expect you to keep it. But you got to understand something about love. Love is never based on circumstances. It's never based on situations. It's never based on the flesh. It's never based on looks. It's never based on sight. It's never based on what they do to you. It's based on what comes out of you. And so Jesus said, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Now he's talking to some disciples that did not always show the love that he expected. But Jesus said, I'm loving you. And the Bible says he loved them to the very end. What does that mean when it says that Jesus loved them to the very end? That means he loved them through all of their mess. He loved them until the world came out of them. And the Bible tells us greater love has no one than this, that one will lay down his life for who? For his, for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Now, this is the powerful point in this John chapter 15. John 15, 15. No longer, he's talking to his disciples. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slaves do not know what the master is doing, but I call you friends. Why? For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you would go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. This I command you, that you, what? That you, help me now, that you love one another. Jesus declared it. Now let's watch it in action in the book of Acts chapter 14. I want to show you just a little obscure scripture. It's, it's a powerful story of Paul the apostle. He is preaching the gospel. And as he's preaching the gospel and declaring the good news of Jesus and, and giving record to what God came to do when he sent his son Jesus into the world, the Bible says that there were crowds that were beginning to believe and crowds that were even beginning to worship but as those were beginning to follow Paul, it says in verse 19 of Acts 14, it says, but Jews came, there were, there were those of the religious that came from Antioch and Iconium, and, and here's what they did. They won over the crowd from Paul. They, they turned the crowds away 
from believing in the God that Paul was preaching. And now they turned that crowd back against Paul. And the Bible says they stoned Paul. That doesn't mean they moved him to Colorado. That means they began to throw stones at Paul. And they dragged him out of the city. And they supposed him to be dead. He didn't play dead. Most theologians and experts would believe that he actually died. And Paul, supposing to be dead, having been dragged out of the city. In other words, he was, he was dead. He was gone. He was dispelled. But the Bible says, now watch this. But the disciples stood around him. Now watch. The disciples. These disciples. A disciple is one who studies Jesus. A disciple is one who enters into the school of Christ. A disciple is not one that just goes to church. That's, that's easy. A disciple is one who becomes an apprentice. You learn on the job. You don't learn Christ sitting in a row at church. You learn Christ sitting in life. And the Bible says these disciples who had learned Christ, who knew the commandments of Christ, who knew what Jesus had said in John chapter 15, that his ultimate goal would be not just to be saved and to not just have relationship, but watch this, but that God's ultimate goal would move us into friendship. You can say it like this, but the friends of Paul, they came around him. This is what it means. They stood around him. That means to encircle. Now watch what happens? They encircled or they became a circle around Paul. And watch this. He got up. Now what's popular or, or what, what is just an interesting to me is that, that it doesn't say, and they got around Paul and they prayed. They didn't go, hey, come on, Paul. You can do it. They didn't, they didn't pray. They didn't worship. They didn't cry. They did not beg. They did not make a sound. They did not give us any indication. The Holy Spirit writing the scriptures through holy men did not tell us that anything happened in the form of actions. It just said that they encircled him. He just got around him. And he got up. Now, I've had some people get around me. And when they got around me, they prayed some stupid prayers. How many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I, I believe in prayer, but I believe in good prayers. When they got around Paul, they didn't pray stupid prayers. The emphasis was not about prayers. The emphasis by the Holy Spirit was not that they were engaged in some kind of religious activity. They, they didn't take prayer cloths. They didn't take anointing oil. They didn't take... All they did was they took their lives and drew close to Paul. They got close to Paul. Can I just tell you, when you find a friend in need, when you find someone in a catastrophic situation, when you find someone going through like Paul went through, going through the worst day or the worst time or the worst season or the worst event of their life, when you find a friend like Paul who is beaten and bloody and about to die, sometimes the worst thing you can do is open your mouth. But the best thing you can do is just draw close. And they just got close. Never forget my wife was diagnosed with cancer 20, 22 years ago. And Lori was pregnant with our first son, Mason. Seven months pregnant, found out she was 
diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease, they would take the baby a month early and begin radiation treatments, remove her spleen. And, and we had people that would come and they would say, God is a good God. Well, so, yes, thank you so much. And then they said, my sister died of Hodgkin's. <laughs> and we just believe the Lord loved her more than we loved her. And whatever happens, the Lord loves you most. And after I punched her and she got up off the ground. <laughs> don't ever say, don't ever say to somebody, the Lord just loved them more. Well, what am I doing here then? What are you doing here then? Why didn't he just take us all if he loved us more? People say the craziest thing. And I think that when those disciples gathered around Paul, now watch this, it wasn't recorded and they doesn't give us any indication as to their actions or their words. But more than anything else, it was the attitude. It was the attitude of friendship. And by a circle of friends, Paul, in that attitude, or watch this, in that atmosphere of friends. Let me just tell you something about the power of friendship. They embody as much an atmosphere. Your friends embody an atmosphere around you more than just their actions. And your life depends upon, your life in this life, but your life in God has as much to do with the atmosphere of your friends as any other source of power in your life. And while they were around Paul, while they circled around Paul. Now watch what the Bible says. He got up. And the Bible says this. He got up and then he went and entered the city. And then the next day. If I was stoned on one day. Not Colorado stoned. But if I was stoned. <laughs> if I was killed. If I had suffered as Paul did. Do you think I would be preaching the next day? I can't even do three services in one day, much less get killed. I'd be taken off like 10 years. The next day, Paul the apostle, the next day is preaching the gospel. He went away with Barnabas to Derby, and after they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. I want to talk to you about the power of a circle of friends around your life. I want to ask you a question. What kind of friends are around you? And then, even deeper than that, what kind of friend are you? Let me give you five characteristics, five important truths that I find concerning the kind of friends we need to have around our lives. And the first point, very clearly, is this. The right kind of friends, a circle of friends, must be what I call futuristic. If you're going to fulfill the calling of God upon your life. Because it was not finished for Paul. When Paul was killed, God had much more for Paul to do. You might be going through the darkest season of your life. I'm, I want you to hear this as a friend of God and a friend of yours and a friend of your pastors and a friend of this church. 
You might feel like it's all over and you might feel like you're finished, but I'm here to tell you that the right kind of friends do not feel like you're finished. They're always looking out for your future. They're futuristic. What does that mean? They're not just your friends. They're friends to your future. I know some people who have been friends to mine and and say they're friends of mine, but they don't want me to go into my future. They're only my friends in my yesterday, not into my tomorrow. You got that friend that always calls, hey, what's up? Man, I'm just going to church today, just trying to move on with God, just trying to put God first. I just want to do everything that God has. Do you remember that time? Yeah, I do. But you know what? It's a new day. I'm just trying to get over that. Man, that was bad. But you know what? God's got some good things for me. I just really want to get serious for God. Yeah, but you remember you were so drunk you couldn't get up. Oh, my God. Oh. I'll never forget. I was actually playing football at LSU. I was, I was at LSU. We used to have a football program until last night. We dropped the program. But I went to high school at Dunwoody High School in Atlanta. My father was the Atlanta Falcons. And as we were scheduled to play University of Georgia, this was about 1986, 1987, I got a phone call from my best friend in high school who I'd lost contact with and it'd been several years. And so by then I had given everything to Christ and I was serious for God. I wanted to be a friend of God. I just didn't want to be saved. I want to be a friend of God. And, and he called me, he goes, man, I can't wait to see you. I, I'd love to pick you up at the team hotel and we can go out and have a, a few beers. We could party a little bit like old times. And I went, I don't, I don't do that anymore. I'm, I'm pretty serious for God. I just want to be a friend of God. I just, I just want God first. And uh, I'm so, though, thankful that you called me. I'd love to see you. Hello? (laughs) As I was talking about my future in God, he he hung up the phone. Some of you are running with people that you think are your friends. And they are not at all concerned about your tomorrow. They're not at all concerned about your tomorrow. They're only concerned about maybe, maybe your past or maybe today, but how many know true friends are willing to let you go into your future? True friends are willing to let you go and be who God has called you to be. And if you don't have friends that are willing to allow you to find or even help you to discover your future, I don't know if they're friends. Are you with me this morning, Celebration Church? That's the truth. These friends got around Paul. And when they got around Paul, when they embodied friendship around Paul, Paul got up. Here's the second truth that I think is so important. A circle of friends are faithful. They are faithful. Come on, say the word faithful. Faithful. True friends are faithful. That word means to be loyal. Loyal. Are your friends loyal? They stood around him. That's not just for a moment. They came and they remained loyal until he got up. They were faithful until he began to move. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 24, a man of too many friends comes to ruin, but there is, there is a friend who sticks what? Closer than a brother. I have two older brothers. I've got friends that are closer than my brother's. I got brothers who will say, die, sucker. But I got friends now in Christ who will stick with me. How many know what I'm talking about? The longer you walk with God, the more you realize 
that your greatest friendships will be sometimes not in your own house, but they will be in the house of God. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. What does that mean? In other words, they're willing to be loyal through thick and thin. They risked their life. Do you realize they could have been killed standing around Paul? But they remain loyal to Paul. Are your friends loyal? Are they loyal to you? Are they faithful in your time of need? Number three, a circle of friends are forgiving. Now, Paul, we know, wasn't in sin. We know Paul was not guilty. But what I do want you to see here in Proverbs chapters 17, 17, a friend loves at all times, but a, a brother is born for adversity. Paul was in adversity. And they could have said, you know what, Paul, if you just didn't preach the way you preached, if you just didn't say what you said, if you'd have been nicer, if you'd have been more PC, politically correct, if you would have just kind of generalized God, if you would have just made God in a way that everyone could have their own route to God, but you had to do the Jesus thing. I'm here to tell you, Jesus is the only thing. He is the only way. He is the only truth. They had to come to a place where, Paul, we're going to stand with you no matter what happens. We're going to be with you. And you know, the true friends that you have, they are with you in good times and when? And in bad times. Number four, the kind of friends that Jesus wants around him and Paul had around him, and he wants you to be this. A circle of friends are fireproof. Fireproof. What does that mean? All friendships, all true relationships, in order for them to become friendships, only can be tested and only will be proven by fire. You don't have a friendship until you go through some fires. Everybody's like your relationship. Everybody, hey, what's up? How you doing, man? It's great to see you. High five, turn, welcome somebody. We do this every Sunday. Nice to see you. And you turn around, you high five, you hug. And then all of a sudden, here comes the fire. Here comes the fire drill. I don't care about you, and I'm out of here. When all of a sudden, you find yourself going through a drill. When you find yourself having to face an alarm like Paul was facing. All relationships really are not known until they are examined by a test or by the fire. Have your friendships passed tests yet? Joseph passed a test of friendship to his wife or his future wife, Mary, when all of a sudden Joseph got the word, his, his fiance, Mary, who he had already been betrothed to, was now with a child. How many know that's a test? She's got a baby and it's not yours. But it is yours. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Is it true? Is your friendship and your relationships, are they hurting you or helping you? Are they hurting or helping your relationship to God, to the church, to the purpose, to your calling, to your marriage, to your peace? Do, do those relationships drain you or do they train you? Every friendship has to be tested. You've got to be willing to go through the fire. And you really don't know your friends until you face the fire. That's why Paul said, I realize this about the kingdom of God. I realize this about the kingdom of God. That anyone that enters into the kingdom of God, notice in verse 22 of Acts chapter 14, 
Hear this. Hear this, America. Hear this, American church. And I'm talking to myself. One must enter into tribulation. And one must go through tribulation if they're going to enter into the kingdom of God. God doesn't even know if you're real with him until you go through some tribulation, until you go through some fire, until you go through some pressure. Okay? That helps me and that helps you when all of a sudden you say, God, what are you trying to do to me? And God says, I'm trying to make you my friend. I just want to see if you're really with me. And then lastly, as the worship team comes, a circle of friends are fruitful. Are fruitful. In other words, Paul became more fruitful than he ever did before. After that circle of friendship gathered around. Jesus said, I don't want you to be slaves. I don't want you to be followers. I don't want you to be disciples only. You know what he said? I want you to be friends. The greatest day of your life, listen to me, is the day you move into friendship. And some of you are settled with relationship. And God is not settled with relationship. God is only going to be settled with friendship. And that's why you're facing fires. And that's where the fire becomes the proving ground of whether you're a real friend of God or not. How many want to be a friend of God? Can I see your hand? I'm going to close with this story. Some of you have never even started a relationship. And God says, let me just make it as clear as I can possibly make it. That's why he sent Jesus. So that God would not be mysterious. And God would not be hard to figure out. And God would not be in a dark cloud somewhere. But Jesus said, when you see me, you see the Father. I'm not like the Father. I am the Father. When you see me, you see God. Jesus was not just the Son of God. He was deity. He was God. So January the 10th, 1987, greatest day of my life. I had a relationship to God. But January the 10th, 1987, sitting on a deer stand in Natchez, Mississippi. All of a sudden, I heard the Lord say, today is the greatest day of your life. And tomorrow, you'll never be the same. But today is the greatest day of your life. And you will never be the same again. I said, I'm going to kill the world's largest deer. And I'm going to start a reality show called Deer Dynasty. And grow a beard. No, that's not what happened. Let me tell you what happened. My dad died that day. Someone said, well, how can that be a great day? What's so great about that, that God would tell you today's the greatest day of your life, and then four hours later, your dad dies? You know why it's the greatest day of my life? God became a friend. He became a friend. Would you bow your heads, please? At all of our campuses. Service pastors are going to come in just a moment, but I want to ask you. How many of you want to move into the friendship level with God? Can I see your hand? How How many feel that it's time for you to move a little bit deeper? And a little bit closer to God. How many, yeah, hands by the hundreds. Let me put your hand down. How many of you would say, honestly, I'm as good a friend as I can be to God right now. And I don't think there's much more room for my friendship. Is there anybody that would say, I'm arrived. I'm there. I'm a great, great friend to God. And I've maxed out my friendship. Is there anybody? 
Of course not. But we're all being called to a deeper level. And then there are those who have never said, Jesus, I need relationship. You've never had a relationship to God. You might be religious, but religion doesn't save you. Only a relationship to Jesus. I want to simply lead you in a prayer. Say this with me out loud. Everybody, Lord Jesus, today, I want it to be the greatest day of my life because I'm moving today. I'm moving into friendship. Jesus, I can't save myself. I'm not good enough. I can't clean myself up. But through you, I receive your gift, the gift of salvation through your lordship and through your blood. Thank you, God, for saving me. And everybody said, let's give the Lord a clap of praise. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Our prayer is that it will help you to live a God-first life. For more information about Celebration Church and other available resources, please visit our website at www.celebration.org.